Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. God, thank you for the gifts of moms that you gave us. Uh, the moms that are, are, are with us, God, I just thank you that they are blessed and highly favored, honored today in Jesus' name. Amen. We're gonna, we've been going through our beginning of going through Acts, um, and we should be on Acts chapter 2 this week, but we're going to take a quick pause for Mother's Day, um, and then we'll pick it back up next week, Acts chapter 2. So today, we're talking about moms, um, and I was going through uh, a list of qualities in a mom that I wish I would have had. Um, no, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I have an amazing mom, and uh, she has been great. So we're going to walk through five qualities of a godly mom, all right? So the very first thing is found in Exodus chapter 1. Uh, Exodus chapter 1, we see a, a tragic story of the children of Israel that are currently being um, enslaved, and everything around them is going horrible. Uh, the Pharaoh at the time sees that the children of Israel, um, the Israelites, have uh, continued to grow, continued to expand, and he is uh, petrified of all the things that are taking place. He didn't know what needs to happen. This is that this king, this Pharaoh forgot Joseph. He forgot that it was these same people that saved them from annihilation. Um, so the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives and commanded them to kill the men, the, the under two years old boys. They refused to do it. So we see what's taking place now is a genocide beginning through, through Egypt. I'm, I'm wearing a blue suit and a pink side. Oh, there we go. My mom, God, God bless. Jeez, mom. Uh. Pharaoh commanded all of his people in chapter one to throw everyone, every son under two years old into the river to die. That's a, a, a tragic, tragic event. It's a, a, a level of, of emphasize that we have yet to see, but there was one mom who refused to obey. It's the mother of Moses. She could no longer live under this tyranny, so what she does is she protects her son the best way she knows how. She hides him as long as she can, and then when he no longer could be hidden anymore, she decides to, to, to take a risk and put him in a basket. She knew that Pharaoh's daughter would, would bathe down the river, and, and she had her daughter go and put her son into a basket to protect him, that hopefully, at this season of life, that this young lady would see this baby would raise this baby, and that's exactly what took place. But what that mom did was she did something that every good mom does, is she's protecting their kids from, from anything that will do their best to hurt them. That's what moms do. You guide, you guard, you protect. Have you ever seen a video of uh, um, uh, anybody getting in, playing with a bear cub, and then mama bear comes out of nowhere, and it's the most aggressive, scary experience? If you ever see a mom uh, uh, of any kind of animal and they feel like their, their baby isn't threatened, they come at them with teeth coming out, the, the claws are coming out, everything. And let me tell you something. As somebody who has uh, been part of new life, it happens at school. Disciplining a child, a mom comes out, and you're like, wow, you were so nice yesterday. My bad. All right, here we are. 
But this is what moms do, is that moms have the courage to protect their kids no matter what obstacles in their way. She had the most powerful nation against her, but the mother of Moses did her absolute best to protect her son in insurmountable odds. Not only did she protect Moses, but she places his fate in the hands of God. Moms, you can protect your kids only for so long, but one of the biggest things we have to realize is that if you're always taking the responsibility on yourself, you're going to find yourself exhausted. You have to put your trust that God's got what's best for your sons and daughters. As a mother, she, she, she confidently put her son's hands in the hands of God, and we too can put trust that God knows what's taking place, and he will look after our sons and daughters. When I was in high school, my mom was very active um, in my life. And that's one thing that I think you have to be as, as, a, as a good mom and dad. Uh, but as we're talking about moms today. You have to be active in your son's and daughter's life. Part of being active nowadays is different than it used to be. When I was growing up, being active meant you came to my sporting events or, or extracurricular activities. If there was a big party, you came and, and you hung. You, you did those small things. Now, moms, you do those things plus more. Part of being active in your son and daughter's life is knowing what they're doing online. It's, it, it's being a part of what's happening on Instagram and, and TikTok and everything else that's going on. My mom, when I was growing up, she was active and she, you know, didn't micromanage my, my dating relationships except for a couple. A couple of times she walked in and, and she had her opinions about what was going on. One time in particular, she walked in and she said, you've got the choice. Either you break up with her or I break up for you. The problem is, is that Marsha doesn't give idle threats. If she says she's going to do something, by God, she's going to do it. And this is how it played out in my mind. And I know this because she would have done this. My choice was to pick up the phone and call and say, hey, this is no longer happening. Or B, my mom would have showed up to school and my mom would have talked to the young lady in front of all of my friends and said, my son no longer dates you and I'm breaking up on his behalf and humiliated me in front of everybody. That's what she would have done. Is it because my mom micromanages my life? No, but moms protect. See, one thing that moms do is they know when something is dangerous for their children. Moms, you have to be a mom who steps in. They may kick and they may scream and they may call you all kinds of crazy things, but moms know when they need to step into their son's or daughter's lives. One thing you have to do is you have to realize that there's two big categories here. You have to protect them from the outside. There are things in this world that are actively trying to harm your kids. They're harming them physically. They're harming them mentally. They're harming them emotionally. The outside sources are there, and you have to be aware of that. This is where you do those things. You follow them on the socials. You're seeing what's going on on, on their phones. You're, you're, you're checking up on who their friends are and what their friends are doing. You're listening to the same music. That's one thing I also, my mom did. God bless her. Was She would listen to my music, not the stuff that I play, like the music that I would listen to. And y'all remember the 90s were nuts. The most musically bipolar generation I've ever experienced. I mean, it's just bizarre. I mean, in one, in one season, y'all, we went from Nirvana to Run DMC back up to Corn. Lauren knows. She had Jinkos. Remember Jinkos? We were skaters, and then we had, uh, what was MXPX, like the punk rock bands, and then we had... 
country music coming up at the same time, and it was bizarre. And my poor mom, and everything was screaming, all the way in the what the '90s ended with boy bands and girl. Like it was just it that was bizarre. And my mom would sit there and just smile, like God, this stinks. But my son listens to it, and I want to be a part of his life. And then she'd say, so what does that mean? What do you mean, what does that mean? That song, what did that song mean? Mom, not everything has a meaning. She goes, if they wrote it, it had a meaning. And then what she would do, because back then we had CDs, is we'd open the, you know, those little jail cases, and you pull out the lyrics. Have you ever read lyrics with your mom? <laughs> That's embarrassing. Because there are things when music does happen, moms and dads, that uh, especially you, you tune certain things out. You're listening to a beat. You're listening to a track. You're listening to what's going on. And you're not paying attention to the lyrics. But you know what? Your soul is. Subconsciously, you are. So if you ever want to have a fun time, moms, just grab Spotify or Apple Music and be like, hey, recently played. And we're going to play a game called Read the Lyrics at the Dinner Table and just see what happens. God, somebody said don't do that. <laughs> the sweat that broke out on teenagers' faces right now was just incredible. We also protect our kids from themselves. It's a big part of growing up is realizing that they will be adults, but they're not adults yet. And understanding their strengths and weaknesses is a big part of being a mom. You have to look at things and go, I know what's important and what's not important. You're not ready for this yet. I, I cannot give my daughter right now, I could not give her a $50 bill and expect her to make wise decisions. She's getting poppets and candy, and that's it. My son, on the other hand, I could give him $50 right now, and he's going to start setting it aside for a, a future purchase. I don't know what that purchase is, but he's got money he's storing aside for something. Because as you mature, you have to watch what's going on. And moms and dads, it doesn't matter if they go, well, when you were 12 or when you were 13 or when you were 14. Can I tell you, take this off real quick. It's a different time of growing up now than it was when you were younger. Quick question. How many of you guys, when y'all went to sleep as teenagers, your houses stayed unlocked? Yeah. How many today, you leave your house unlocked? One. Mainly because he's hoping his dog gets some exercise at somebody who walks in. Yeah, it's a different world. When we grew up, if you heard the ice cream truck, that was something exciting. Now it's like, what's in that stuff? Trick-or-treating used to be something moms could take a break. Yeah, y'all run around the neighborhood. Now it's we're searching through every piece of candy looking for drugs or needles or something because people are crazy. Moms, I know they're going to say, when you were a kid, you got to, you know what? Sorry, times have changed. It's not the same world understanding where your kids are and protecting them from the outside and also protecting them from putting more responsibility on them than they can bear. That also means they don't need to know every detail of your life. Moms and dads, like they don't need to know every single second of your life. You're not their best friend. You're not their bro. That's not what's taking place. And so allowing them to stay kids as long as they can is an important part of being a mom. That means protecting them from the things that they watch, from the, the outside influences on the movies and television, the things that are going to make them mature faster than they need to be. The next woman that I, I, I found amazing was Rebecca in Genesis. You can see her in chapters 25 and through 27 primarily. Rebecca was barren, could not have kids. 
God opens her womb. Her first round, boom, she gets twins. Tough break. And it says in Genesis, I think it's 24, and there was a war within her. In other words, these two kids were fighting from the moment they were conceived. And they came out. One came out named Esau first. The next came out Jacob while he's holding his ankle as if you're not going to win. Let me tell you something. That's competition. Get those boys a trainer. They're going to be athletes. Like, that's legit. That's a competitive spirit from day one. I'm excited about that. The D1 scholarship stuff. God spoke to her and says that the younger is going to receive. Now, in the story, she does some shady stuff that she shouldn't have done. We all know that. She tricks her husband to get him to bless the younger son instead of the elder. And we go through all this. But here's the one thing that I think we have to realize that what a mom does is this. A mom recognizes something inside that no one else recognizes. She had the eyes to see that God has put a hand, his hand on, on the younger and not the elder. She had the eyes to see what was going to take place in his life. While everyone else looked and said, okay, he's the youngest, he's the youngest, he's the youngest. She could see something that no one else could see, and moms will do that. Listen, growing up in my house was different. I, I, I did have a sister that was an academic you know, genius. She was fantastic. Wasn't the most athletic, but she was fantastic. I came on, and I was not the academic genius, but an athlete still wasn't an athlete. Like, I didn't have anything going for me. I, I mean, yeah, I had a sense of humor. But you know what was crazy is that my mom still could call things out. This is the kind of man you are. Remember who you were supposed to be. It, it wasn't a pressure because of their position in life, but it was a continual calling out of the things that were in me since I was born. Moms, this is why you pray over your kids when they're sleeping. You pray over your kids when they're at school. You're praying over the kids if they're still in your womb. If you're, if you're pregnant, you're going to be, you pray because you go, God, reveal to me the gift you gave me. If you ever open up a present from your child and go, what is it? I made you something, Mom. And they explain what it is. And you're like, oh, I can, I see it. If I, if I squint my eyes, I see exactly what you did. Can I tell you, a lot of times God gives us a bundle of joy that is chaotic, but it's a gift. The Bible tells us that your children are a gift from God. You might have to remind yourself of that five, six times a day. But one thing that we do is that we look and we pray, God, tell me about this gift. Tell me what he is supposed to be. Right now, he is the most stubborn, hard-headed individual. God, what is going on? Listen, there isn't many people that you can meet that is more stubborn than myself. My daughter's stubborn. Very stubborn. I've looked at my daughter before and said, you do this again, you're getting a spanking. And I can watch her calculate if it's worth it or not. And y'all, I swing for the fence. Like, I, yeah, this is a home run derby kind of spanking. And she's like, it might be worth it at times. That's stubborn. I'm the same way. But you know one thing that mom would do? She goes, this stubbornness can be used for good. And she would begin to guide how I should be stubborn for certain things. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. 
be this kind of a person. At any given moment, son, you can be just like them, but they can never be just like you. Continually speaking life over who they are. The third type of mom is Hannah, the mother of Samuel, the great prophet. I love her story. It's incredible. She, unfortunately, too, was barren for most of her life and through her childbearing years. She cries out to God, God, give me a son. If you give me a son, I will give him back to you. Ever make a deal with God? I did. A lot. I would get pulled over instantly. Boop. Way FM. Christian music. God, if you get me out of this ticket right now, I, I promise to you, I'll throw all these CDs out. This is, yeah, yeah, no. That's what we do. She makes a deal with God. God, if you do this, I will give you, I'll give them back to you. The big idea here is that God listened to her, and she gave him a son. And she raised her son knowing the commitment that she gave to God. That's got to be a rough place because she knows that he's going to get to an age where either she's going to fulfill her commitment or back out of her commitment. Every day is a time, uh, is a grain of sand coming to the time clock that is slowly slipping and she knows this is one less day I have my son because you don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to turn him into the priest's and what, he's going to stay here. He's going to travel. He's going to, what is he going to, I may never, when am I going to see my son again? But what she ends up doing is she's training her son in this big, big thing is this, is that a godly woman, a godly mother keeps her word. We don't live in a world where people keep their word anymore. I will keep my word as long as it's still convenient for me. I'll do this as long as I still get something out of it. But what's, what she's doing in this moment is, God, I'm going to keep my word no matter what. So here's the questions that we have. Are we going to surrender our kids to God even if it doesn't look the way that we want them to? Are we going to surrender our, our, our children to the process are we going to look at them and we're going to keep our word? How about this, moms and dads? Are we going to keep our word when we say we're going to do something to our kids? Because there's a moment that's going to happen in Samuel's life where he's going to want to bail. It wasn't all cupcakes and sunshine when Samuel became prophet. It was a horrible time in history. And at any given moment, he could have been like, I'm out. I wasn't even born in this family. I was given to this family. I'm walking. But he had a mom that walked through the most difficult season of her life, and that is keeping her word. Sometimes the hardest part is saying no. Sometimes the hardest part is saying yes. Sometimes the hardest part is just doing what you said you were going to do. It's difficult. What are you going to do, moms and dads, when you say, no, this is what's going to happen. My family will do this and then opposition rises. We're make those blanket cuts. You know what we're going to start doing? We're going to have dinner at table every single night. All of us together, no, no electronics. And that first night is so awkward. Second night, not so awkward. But then it's like third, fourth. Tonight, we're just going to sit and watch TV. We're going to, we're going to take a break tonight. And then you find yourself going back into this life again. Keeping your word is this. It's having a vision for something, and I'm saying no to everything else to say yes to this thing. 
And what we're going to be doing is teaching our kids, moms and dads, that when we say we're going to do something, when we say we're going to make a commitment, when we say we're going to, to walk something out, even when it's not fun, we're going to walk it out. At a school, we see this on a regular basis. My kid didn't get to play as much as everybody else. He should quit. My daughter didn't get what she wanted. She should quit. We see parents on a regular basis just decide that they don't want to send kids to school anymore because it's inconvenient for them. And what's happening is that you're going to always have in your life a boss that you don't like. You're going to have a coworker that gets on your nerves. You're going to have somebody that rubs you the wrong way. And there's going to be times when things don't go the way that you think they should go. And what are we going to do? What are we teaching our kids at six, seven, eight years old when we just quit when everything gets uncomfortable? What do you think that's going to do when they're 26, 36, 46? They just keep quitting. Listen, we have to go back to a generation of moms and dads that teach our kids. We keep our commitments even if it's uncomfortable. We said we were going to do something, and we're going to do it. Why? Why, mom? Because you said you were going to do something. But I don't want to do it. No one else is doing it. But you said you were going to do it. I'll put it this way. I, I, every summer, I have the opportunity to teach at the Junior Police Academy. It's something that goes on every, every summer, and we have two weeks of it, and, and I teach ethics, and, and it's been a, a fantastic experience. And one of the things that we do is, is we ask our, our students if they've ever told a lie. Of course, everybody lies. They kind of sit there like, no, never. I'm like, well, you're all liars. So, yes, everybody has told a lie. So here's the thing. We, we escalate the situation a little bit. Would you ever take a bribe to look the other way? Would, no. Okay, well, let's make it easy. Would you take a bribe of, let's just say, $1,000? Okay, $1,000. This guy's got a little bit of weed, just a little bit of weed. Would you turn your head for $1,000? No. $10,000? No, no, no. $15,000? Fifteen grand. How much weed are we talking about? Just a little dime bag. $20,000. Would you walk for $20,000? And, and you know what I found out? Everybody has a price. And I looked at them all, and I'll continue to look at them all and go, that means this. Your reputation has a price tag on it. Just a price tag. How much is your name worth? How much can I buy you for? Where do you see value on yourself? And you're seeing this start to click inside of people's minds. But this is what commitment is. The sad part is, is that most of us will sell our names for almost nothing because we just give up on our commitments over nothing these days. Moms are moms that are godly because they keep their commitments. Number four, moms that push kids out the nests. It's a little touchy one, but I'm going to go for it. In John chapter 2, we see a mom that knows what's inside of their child. The child then decides, I'm not ready for this. And mom says, oh, yes, you are. That child is Jesus and Mary. They're at the marriage of Cana. 
And she looks at her kid, or looks at the servants and goes, whatever he says to do, do it. Jesus goes, it's not my time. Mom goes, but it is. Do it. Yes, ma'am. And he does it. Can I tell you something? One of, the, one of the craziest parts of moms is, is that you guys have this ability to know when to push, when to, to, to make things bigger, when to, to escalate situations, when to do things. Dads, we don't really have this idea because our, we're built with pushing. What do you mean you can't hold the bat right? You're four years old. Hold the bat right. Swing faster. Bring the hips in. You're like, he's barely walking, man. Like, come on. His head's bigger than his body. Like, you just push him, and he just, he just goes. Like, help the guy out. I'll never forget my son being three years old, and I was getting frustrated at him at three because he couldn't do all his alphabet that quick. I'm like, A, B, come on, see. What's after this? What's after that? And he's like, ah. And, and like, it was just, yeah. You know what? Dads push. It's who we are. But you know what? Moms, a lot of times, you have to push, too. And maybe you're a single mom. You definitely have to ride both sides of that fence. You've got to know, hey, buddy, it's 30, you're 35. It's time to do your own laundry. <laughs> it's an uncomfortable conversation to look at your 40-year-old and be like, hey, it's, I'm, get out of the basement. Yeah. You know, our, our, we've, we've, had, we've changed policies where they can be on your insurance now until I think 25. That's cool. But, you know, Hard conversations with your kids is part of being a parent. Looking at them and going, it's time. It's time you put your big boy pants on, your big girl pants on, and do something. It's time you get a job. It's time you go to college. It's time you get a trade. It's time you, you grow up. It's time you stop watching all these cartoons. It's, it's time. Why? You are training them to be a successful man or a woman of God. And part of that is knowing when to push. But mom, I'm not ready. But you are. And you push. I love this story. You see Jesus pull back. You see Mary say, but you are. And this is the moment that everything begins to speed up in Jesus' life. This pivotal moment. You don't know, moms, when sometimes you look and you push out a little bit more from your kids, what that will do for your kids. The, the benefits of all of this. Helping them mature. Do you know when we typically mature? When we have hard times. When we have to pay consequences for our actions, it forces us to grow up. We grow when things are no longer comfortable. And moms and dads, sometimes that's what you have to do. Is you got to make things uncomfortable because you believe in who they are. Last but not least, a mother that is godly is a mother that understands generations. We see this one in 2 Timothy 1, a lady named Eunice. She's the grandmother of a man named Timothy. Paul looks and says that Timothy was raised in a godly house because of his grandmother Eunice and his mother Lois. I love this because it lists both grandma and mom into Timothy's life. This is important for me because it lets me know that Eunice believed that her job as being a woman of God, speaking life was more than just speaking to her daughter, but also speaking to her grandkids as well. She maintains this attitude that we're going to have a generation of godly people. In other words, when they turn 18 or 19 and move away, your job's not done. You shift. 
Moms and dads, this is a hard thing to understand. It's really difficult because what happens is that we have these different seasons of parenthood. We have the season of parenthood where they are a leech. And that's part of being a parent. They cannot fend for themselves at all. Then we have this season of parenthood where you are the parent. You will dictate. You are a dictator. They are in, they are in your in your territory, and you are the supreme leader. You are, like, you are the one that dictates every aspect of their lives. Then we transition from that when they're typically teenagers from being a dictator to being more of a coach. We have to coach them in things because they have to play the game. You're coaching them up to be ready for adulthood. And then after adulthood, you don't quit because if, you're, if you have, the, uh, God, God willing, God blessing, the, the ability to, to shift now from coach to friend. As an adult, you can be a friend to your adult children. One of these days, it's going to be great. I'm hoping I have it. But, one, <laughs> but this is what happens. A lot of times parents go infant to friend. Oh, no, my kid's crazy. I'm going to try to lock them down. They're like, it's too late now. And, and they're doing their own thing. No, listen. Infant, dictator, coach, and friend. Eunice understood, I'm going to be a friend and help my daughter coach her kid. I'm going to be a friend and help my daughter parent Timothy. This is what we do. You see generational connections from one line to another line. You continue to invest. And I love this idea of a mom that sees generationally, a mom that can protect their kids from outside and internal issues, a, a mom that knows when to push their kids into greatness, a mom that knows how to... Um, see things that no one else sees, to speak life when no one else sees it. And lastly, a mom that knows how to keep her commitments. Those five pillars, those five things will be a huge success in your life. And I want to thank all the moms. And if it's not too late, if you need to adjust and, and strengthen one of your pillars, then go for it. Don't throw in the towel and don't quit. Keep pushing forward. An honorable mention for that one would be Sarah, Abraham's wife. God says she's going to have a child, and she scoffs. <laughs> no, I'm not. He says, why did you laugh? I didn't laugh, so now you're lying to God. She, she didn't do things the right way. She didn't start off strong. But we see her as she's raising her son, that she knows how to get up from making horrible mistakes. She knows how to pivot when she needs to pivot. And maybe you're a Sarah right now. Maybe there's one of these five pillars that I named that you need to pivot and correct. Maybe you need to be more firm on your commitments. Maybe you need to be more protective and involved in their lives. Maybe you, you need to, to, to speak life over them. Maybe you need to push a little harder. Or maybe you need to, to look at the things and go, I need to, to invest into, my other, into the things of God for this generation or the next. I, I don't know which pillar you need to, to pivot on, but any of those need to be worked on, go for it. It's not too late. What if my kids are already grown? It's okay. Remember your role. We're going to be friends. 
to be able to have coaching opportunities. We love them because we want them to learn from our mistakes as well. I hope this Mother's Day, this has meant something to you. Moms, you guys are amazing. But one thing I'll tell you is that one, one thing that most mothers love is, is quality time with their kids. And we are wrapping up. Not just this service, but as a society, we're wrapping up. And I promise that every single mother wants to spend eternity with you. They want to have more quality time even when this life ends. And the only way that happens is by spending our lives serving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The only way that that moves forward is not by being a good person, not by doing good deeds, not by going to church, and not by singing a song, but it only goes by making a covenant here and now that God is my Lord and Savior and living a life that is pleasing to him. Your mom wants to see you. She wants to have that experience. She doesn't want this big, huge chasm between you and her for the rest of her life and all of eternity. So today, if you're in this place and you say, Pete, I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I need to proclaim him as Lord. I, I think it's a beautiful thing. I've done it. A lot of people in here have done it. But if you say, hey, Pete, I need to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, just go ahead and slide your hand up. I don't care if anybody's looking or not. Let's be bold about it. Amen. And experience him together. Amen. Awesome. I'm excited to see what God's going to do in your life. Moms and dads, thank you so much for coming. Moms, you are a blessing. Your kids sometimes are a blessing. We love you guys so very much. We honor you today. And we call you blessed and highly favored. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.